Welcome to the podcast, Your Future in Sales and Marketing. A podcast that helps me make great career decisions. My name is Mike Dixon and I'm a professional sales and marketing recruiter. I love what I do, but my biggest frustration is seeing too many people not realizing their career potential. In this podcast, I'll introduce you to my network, an amazing group of business leaders in the biggest tier one organizations through to some super fast growth SMEs. They'll share their career journey and give you new advice and insights on managing your career and leading a function and a business. Join me, Mike Dixon of AXR Recruitment and Search to help guide your future in sales and marketing. In this episode, I talk with Keith Shortle, Managing Director of North Asia and Consumer Healthcare International for Johnson & Johnson. We unpick what it's like building overseas roles into your career for you and your family. Enjoy. Well, hello and welcome everybody back to the Sales and Marketing Director Incubator, the program that helps you make great career decisions to maximize your potential. My name is Mike Dixon, Director of the Sales, Marketing and Category Practice here for AXR Recruitment and Search. And today in the incubator is Keith Shortle, General Manager of North Asia and Consumer Healthcare International for Johnson & Johnson. Welcome, Keith. How are you? I'm very good. Thanks, Mike. And thank you for having me. I'm um, excited to be part of your wonderful podcasting community and looking forward to a really good conversation. Likewise, me too. And um, guys, in this session, um, as uh, those of you regular listeners know, we've uh, developed a theme for our podcast this year. And today's theme is, should you consider a global or regional role in your career? Now, Keith has done both in a career that has taken him from a really successful domestic career within sales and marketing to in Australia with Colgate, overseas to uh, Pacific Islands, to Hong Kong, Bangkok, and now Singapore. So, uh, and lots of different roles we'll explore there as we go. So let's get into it. But before we jump into your career, Keith, I've asked every guest the same question this year, which is what is your favorite brand? Oh, um, this is probably going back to my youth a little bit. And my wife often tells me that I'm not uh, youthful anymore. But, you know, my favorite brand is still Air Jordans because I think there was a special time in the 80s where Chicago Bulls were doing really well and Michael Jordan was the biggest star on earth and everyone was uh, walking around in a pair of Air Jordans and they sort of stayed fairly, fairly cool. So I still uh, have a bit of a sneaker fetish. So that remains my favorite brand. It's timeless. Fantastic. I wonder whether they saw a real spike in sales when the, that uh, Netflix documentary came out last, was it last year, year before? Yeah, yeah. And we watched that as well. It was it was excellent. It was, I was actually at the Grand Prix on Sunday night in Singapore here, and it, it rained very, very heavily. And there was a lot of um, a lot of funky shoes that got destroyed in the mud. Uh, luckily, I didn't <laughs> wear mine, so mine are still okay. Um, <laughs> but yes, I'm sure they got a big spike. They've had a big spike for a long time. Great. And uh, another kind of icebreaker type question, Keith, what new business do we need today that we don't have, do you think? It's a good question. You know, I think post-COVID, the the world has changed a lot and we're still, we're still figuring out the blurring across channels, particularly with online and offline. So there's, you know, there's been some merging platforms, D2C businesses. I think, I think we need to know more about how, how to connect with consumers and shoppers and understand traffic better. And I think that's going to be pretty important in the next few years in terms of uh, conversion and, and reach. 
Mm, cool. Uh, let's see uh, how that issue is addressed in uh, years to come. But uh, let's get into your career. So your business career kicked off with, with Colgate back in yep. 2000 or so. But um, but prior to that, you kicked off in a very different world, is uh, in one that many would dream of playing football and um, were part of the Chelsea squad for a while. So tell us a bit, a little bit about, about your, your kind of pre-sales football career and, mm. and then how you kind of move from that into Colgate. Well, I guess as, a, as, as every child does, I had uh, dreams of one day uh, playing football or some uh, sport of some kind. Um, I was lucky enough when I was about uh, 17, 18 to get the chance to live in London for a couple of years and, and play football. Uh, and it was an enormous experience. You know, I literally got on a plane on my own and someone picked me up at the other end and, you know, gave me some keys and, and a place to live. And that was it. So I became very independent very quickly. So I do think that that experience is a big part of my willingness to travel and take roles overseas because, you know, it taught me early to explore and to be curious about uh, about what's out there. And after a couple of years, I, I came back and went to university, you know, as an avid sportsman, teenager, my Study wasn't the highest priority, so when I decided to go back, I realised I might need to put in a bit of effort and, and studied for a few years, and then embarked on the uh, the tedious uh, task of finding a job after university. I targeted specifically sales rep jobs because there was a mentor of mine at university who always said the best role that you can possibly get to understand how business works and and your customers is to be a sales rep. And I was lucky enough to get. Uh, a role with Colgate in Perth uh, as a sales rep for for about 12 months. It wasn't a huge stint before I moved on, but I I agree with what the mentor said. I mean, even now, the learnings, I mean, you're a little mini GM of your territory, right? And you build your own customer relationships. You're creating value with your understanding of the supply chain. It's an enormous, I think, head start for people if they want to have a long-term career, particularly commercially. I love it. I, I think every uh, a grad who kind of sees a kind of perhaps a sales and marketing type career is their future. It, it's the best role you can do. It's a shame there's not many more more of them now. That they, it's it's yeah. a harder pathway than it used to be. It was just fewer fewer roles and and um, you know I guess that's the way of the world. But uh, it does limit the talent flow into the sector for us. Yeah, it does. And I think with the with the emergence, particularly up here in Asia, maybe not so much yet down in um, in Australia, the emergence of online has just created, it's not a physical sales rep that's required, but the discipline of understanding the digital shelf as well as the offline shelf is, is sort of the new digital online sales rep of the future. So it's still very important, I think, as people start their career to understand that from an online perspective as well as offline if they get the chance. Yeah, that's interesting. I'd have thought of, it, thought of it in those terms. So back to your career uh, plan, Keith. Um, did you have a plan in the early days or or was it a case of just reacting to opportunity? You're young and head free and, and off you went. No, there was no plan. You know, at, at a young age, when you start your career, you're hungry for opportunities and learning, learning chances to learn. We talk a lot about experiences now. Um, so there was no plan. I, I literally was just, I was given the opportunity after 12 months as a sales rep to move to Melbourne, which I, I, you know, at the time I didn't even think twice about it was just, let's go. Even now when people say, what's your three-year plan? I still think it's hard. It's not easy to, to say exactly where you want to be and what you want to do. I think you've got to be open to opportunities to learn and experiences before you can define exactly what you want to do because the pathway now is not 
linear anymore or vertical. It's very much about new experiences. So uh, early on, no. Now, probably still no. Um, but now I, you know, I'm very focused on the development and learning opportunities versus roles, specific yeah. roles anyway. Yeah, a common theme of our podcast absolutely is how you gather experience and 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 learn from there, as opposed to walking this linear pathway in terms of a a, a career. So I completely I completely yeah. agree. And and because you 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 spent you know a, a period of time in a variety of sales roles, supply chain. You had your first taste of a non-Australian role when you kind of jumped into the kind of GM of Pacific Islands at Colgate. You know, what yeah. what, did, what did that involve? It sounds like, you know, just really cool, really exciting role. I think in my old company, I think the GM of Fiji was maybe the highest priority for everyone globally to get that job. So it was, <laughs> it was, it was, it was really interesting. Um, and it's, it was a great business. I mean, um, Colgate at the time had a manufacturing plant in Fiji, you know, supporting the communities. It was a standalone subsidiary before the, you know, the clusters and the um, the days of integrating smaller markets into larger markets. So it was a phenomenal opportunity, very young. Again, it was literally, let's just go, my wife and I, uh, who was then my girlfriend at the time, uh, who worked at Coles, we were sort of just, you know, Fiji, how could we not go? And it, and it was a fantastic experience, again, because it, during that period, we got the chance every year when the senior leadership team would come from New York to present because we had to present a full P&L on our own. During the time I was there, there was a coup, there was a devalue of the currency. There were all of these external challenges that at a very young age we were asked to mitigate. So finding a way to do that and, and talking to the right stakeholders in the business on how to do that to keep the business viable was a, was a super, super opportunity now that I look back on it. The opportunity to meet with senior officials in Fiji to to drive tariffs and you know invest in manufacturing plants and it it was just it was an awesome experience and very lucky that I got that at such a such a young age. I mean Fiji was amazing to live as well, right? So it's not all golf and swimming. There's uh, you know the Pacific Islands uh, included lots of outer islands such as Samoa, Vanuatu. So there was a real opportunity to immerse ourselves in multiple cultures. And diverse cultures, which which I find super exciting versus just the day to day business. So great opportunity, great learning. You you must have had to uh, watch a bit more rugby for, for, as a, as a soccer player as well. <laughs> yeah, and play a little bit more rugby. And and it's 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 rugby is ingrained there. Literally, when we're we're going to do stores or we're going out to the community, four o'clock every day, every field is full of kids just playing rugby. Uh, it's everywhere, and um, you know. Being in Fiji when the seven tournaments are on is is also a big, a, a very uh, interesting experience because literally the whole the whole uh, the whole country shuts down for two days uh, until they get knocked out or maybe <laughs> three days if they win they take the next day off. I'm sure I remember uh, um, in my past going to the Hong Kong Sevens. My brother used to play. Mm. He, he used to play there, and and I think Fiji won it one year. I think it was like a national holiday. It's it, 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 yeah. they, they, they went it frequently. They're very good, but uh, um, yeah, yeah. And and even now, I mean, when I had the I had a chance to live in Hong Kong for a couple of years, and even here in Singapore, when the Stephens come, we still we still do support Fiji. There's a there's a spot in our heart for Fiji always. Yeah, and yeah. you know, my my eldest son spent his first eighteen months in Fiji, and you know, he always keeps an eye out for them in the Stephens and cheers them on as well, which is which Fantastic. is kind of sweet. 
Yes, it is. It is. Now you, you then went back to Melbourne as a, as a customer director role, then 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 stepped up to Hong Kong. As you said, you spent some time in in, in Hong Kong. Now we talked before around, you know, your career hasn't been super planned, but what, mm. with that taste of 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 I guess life overseas in um, in Fiji and uh, through the islands. Was your mindset just more attuned to that opportunity and, and, and thinking, actually, I wouldn't mind going to different markets, bigger roles? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the experience when we were in Fiji, we were, we were always thinking about where do we go after that? There was a lot of previous GMs in Fiji who had gone on to be GMs in Vietnam or into Europe. So we were ready for that journey. But, um, you know, we had a period in 2010 that I sort of needed to get back. And it was a period of change in the Australian grocery market, as everyone probably remembers. And that was also a great experience because it was a very humbling, grounding experience because we really needed to change the way we worked. Mm. We had to become less brand-centric and very externally focused to create value for, for customers. And, you know, I think one of the big learnings that I got out of being back was, you know, we built a business where we integrated with the customers. So very externally facing structure in the early days of you know putting resources into the customers and 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 integrating cross-functionally. And that that was a big change for the organization and a big change for me as well to understand what operating models were in different scenarios. So that was that was great learning. Uh, after two and a half years, then they asked me about going to Hong Kong to, to lead the, you know, regional uh, modern trade plus sort of Omni as Omni was starting to open up. Uh, again, it was, as you said, Fiji gave us a taste of opportunities and as I said before, when we look at roles, it's not a, when we look at overseas opportunities, we don't look at it as jobs. We look at them as opportunities to learn, exposure for our kids. We think about cultural diversity, the ability to go places and see things for a period of time. And Hong Kong was always one of those places that we really wanted to visit or experience. And, and it was amazing. It, it was one, probably one of my favorite, if not my favorite experiences. Again, it wasn't planned. You know, it was literally a tap on the shoulder. Do you want to go to Hong Kong? And I think within 24 hours, uh, we had gone. But the the one learning that I, and, and we'll probably talk about it a bit later on, but, you know, before we ever consider a role overseas, we don't look at it as a career opportunity. As I said, we look at it as an opportunity as a family or a partnership with my wife and I, which means that the decision making is not mine. It's it's a it's a decision that we make as a, as a unit, you know, with roles that do come up. That's the, and we take, that's the way we approach it. But there's also been roles that have come up, which we don't take because it doesn't suit family or, or where we are at that point. But Hong Kong was definitely one of those ones that we were, we were pretty excited about. We had a couple of young kids and we moved to Hong Kong with a, with two young kids under three plus a two week old. So that was also, you know, a very interesting experience, immersing ourselves in Hong Kong, but also doing it with three very young kids in tow. So it was an excellent, um, you know, part of our life. Yeah, I, I think we'll definitely get into that later on because I think mm. there's a lot more parts to consider in in that decision making process, and and it's a yeah. life decision, not just a career decision. I completely agree. So uh, we'll jump into that in, in in a moment. Now, when I talk to people who are in the perhaps you know early to mid stage career, they've heard of of regional roles, global roles, and they kind of just get a sense of that something happens overseas or or mm. um they might have some contact with uh, a regional global person in their domestic role but but not everyone knows what they involve can you explain the the, the key differences Keith between uh, a regional a global and a domestic role 
Look, I think every business is different. Obviously, being exposed to to a couple of big organisations, there are there are differences. I mean, you know, essentially, uh, the global organisation. If you think about it in time periods, the global organisation really sets the strategy for you know one to three years, if not you know sort of three to five, and and identifies the enablers and makes the choices, whether they're uh, franchise brand choices or operating model choices or regional choices as to where the growth is going to come from and the resourcing required to get there. At a regional level, they have a very big input into that uh, to make sure that the strategy is shaped to, to suit the region because every region is very, very different. If you consider you know, Europe or, or Africa, Middle East versus Asia versus North America, very, very different. So it's important that the region plays a big role in shaping that global strategy. And also, you know, the region is then responsible for shaping the execution of that strategy. So I sort of think to that as sort of one to three years. And then when you obviously when you get into the, the cluster or the market, yes, there is a three-year horizon because you've always got to be thinking about the enablers and, and investment choices and, and distortion uh, to build a business over time sustainably. But ultimately the you know the 12 to 18 month period is is really where 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 the market focuses on execution, enablers, working with the region and global on innovation needs. Uh, investment needs, et cetera. So it's a sort of, if I think about it as a time frame, it's easier to understand from my experience where the focus areas are. Uh, I think locally, it's important to also have clarity on the role that your market plays in the regional and global uh, strategy, because that then, it means that everyone in that market is very clear of the expectations. So if, you're, if, if your role is a high growth role, if it's a you know contribution to to profit role, if it's a you know a brand uh, penetration role, I think that's also a very important point for for markets to understand and and clusters to understand so they can be successful. Yeah, I think it's a really nice way of describing it to look at it in time frames. That 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 just helps understand the delineation of responsibility. Not everyone's doing the same role. There's actually a different a different a different goal which lines up with if you think of it in those terms. So I think that's a really a really good explanation. Back to your career, because you then from Hong Kong went to Thailand. But what was quite interesting is you went there as a country manager, which is effectively a domestic role running the market, you know, for, for Thailand, not um, staying in that global, regional kind of path. Was that a normal yeah. step um, to, to do that? And and secondly, how challenging is it being accountable for a, a domestic market in which, you know, is really unfamiliar to you? It's, it's brand new territory. Yeah, I mean, I think the opportunity to get back into operations was very important for me. We talked a lot about experiences. I think you've got a, the best experiences you can get are in local operations. I think you need to do, you need to understand and be exposed to regional and global roles because you need to, for me, it was great for me to understand how the business operates and, and what are the commitments that the business is making to, you know, the, the external community. And that's very important. And then getting back into the operation means that you can execute that with, with clarity. Which I think is 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 great, and it means you don't have linear, uh, sorry, vertical careers as well. Which I think, you know, if you spend too much time in either local, regional, or global, you can get into that side of career, which is not something that I ever wanted to do. I wanted to get the experiences that that when I'm in larger roles, I could be successful. So that was always one of my aims. But then, you know, it was it was 
we loved Thailand. It was a great business and still is a fantastic business. It was a humbling experience because the, the cultural understanding is very different. And, and as a leader, you have to go in understanding that. You know, you can't change a culture. You have to change yourself. So that was, and the business was very supportive with programs. And if you if you don't understand the culture or you try and swim upstream against it, you just cannot be successful. You, as a as a leader, anyway, you've you've got to have strategy and clarity where the team will follow you. Versus in these kind of roles, it's even more important to do that versus you know maybe going in and trying to drive change that's not culturally either acceptable or supported. So, but it was it was a great it was a, a great experience both professionally and personally as well. We also had our our fourth a fourth kid. Our daughter was born in Bangkok, so you know Bangkok is going to be with us <laughs> for a long time. And it's quite cute because whenever she sees something about Thailand on TV, she always says, "Ah, oh, she's from Thailand." So yeah, we've taken a little bit of Thailand with us as well, which which added to the experience that we had there. Fantastic. Your, your family's just grown as you've gone from country to country. It's brilliant. Um, yeah. But it's interesting, your point you make there around the cultural sensitivity, because you're going in as a non-Thai person to run a Thai market. Yeah. But, but I guess having not just come straight from Australia, but you know, you, you've, you having lived overseas in different markets, you, you had a cultural empathy anyway, you'd, you'd had to make adjustments. So there yeah. was, there was a, a sense of being able to do that. But I think doing that role mid career, um, uh, you know, having that accountability back for the market made, made a lot of yeah. sense. But I think the role, I mean, where where the regional role really did help was the exposure to multiple different cultures and the diversity of cultures across the region. Mm. Going from Australia to Fiji gave us that first taste of uh, immersion into a different culture, but then into the region and traveling across 10, 12 markets over, you know, a year or two trying to influence on execution uh, and strategy if you if you, yeah. if you don't understand the cultures you you cannot be successful so the regional role was very very important i think for everyone to consider then before you would go into a non-australian local leadership role so you then uh cut the cord um you've been with um Colgate a long time, you know, uh, guess, getting towards 18 years, uh, hmm. joined J&J with uh, where, where, you are, where you are now. Um, what was the kind of thinking there? How did, how did that happen? Why did that happen? Probably a couple of things. One was, you know, it was, I, I was thinking about a change because, you know, Colgate's a phenomenal organization and, you know, I'm still very close with, with some, um, some of my, you know, their friends. You know, they're not peers or people I used to work with. They're actually friends. And, you know, I think is in the sales community, when you start on the road and you start doing accounts, you form very, very strong relationships across the teams. And, you know, they stay forever. And I think that's, you know, a very important piece of a, a career in this industry. So, but I didn't necessarily want to be with one business for forever. I wanted to, I was interested in healthcare. Um, you know, I think the older you get, the more the more you think with your heart versus your head. So, you know, I wanted to get into consumer health and and understand how we can make a difference in in how people live and experience life. And it was it was something that I felt I needed to do. And there was also the part of you know one day we will consider going back to Australia. And you know, Singapore when we visited with somewhere, my wife always wanted to live. Uh, there was an Australian school in Singapore, so that was sort of my wife thinking, well, hey, you know, great place, would love to live there, experience it, 
the kids can, you know, re-immerse themselves a little bit in, you know, Australian kids' culture because the Aussie kids are pretty rough and tough. So that, it was it was literally that that simple. So we made the choice to come over and we've been, you know, ex- extremely happy here for going on four and a half years because we needed that stability. We'd moved a lot. Mm. You know, as you said, we literally picked up a, a kid in every place we lived um, and moving them was is phenomenal for them. But at some stage, we felt we sort of just got to give them a little bit of time to ground. Yeah. And that's meant that we've been here for, I think this is our longest stint now mm. uh, overseas. Which, which talks about what we'll describe in a second around that kind of holistic mm. nature of making moves overseas. But uh, before we do, just want to jump into, so you know, quickly describe what you're responsible for, Keith, just so we can understand the scope of the role sure. you're doing now. So I look after a managing director for Hong Kong and Taiwan. I've been doing that for two to three years. It's been a bit tough because I haven't been able to go there for two and a half years. But, you know, luckily I get to go up and see the team again in two weeks, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, but I've also got a regional role as well. So, um, you know, responsibilities have shifted between operating models, go-to-market models, as well as uh, innovation and currently supporting the digital uh, transformation in the region as well, which is quite exciting. So I started in the region um, leading the customer side, uh, building out, you know, uh, external strategies and, you know, initiatives to get us close to the customers. And then that's morphed over time into larger responsibilities as well as leading the two markets uh, as uh, managing director. Yeah. And does that role extend in terms of the regional part to Australia as well? Yeah, look, uh, the regional role does cover all the markets. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, it's it's one of the benefits of being able to 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 have two hats uh, is understanding one, what the markets really need because I have to deliver a P&L too. So I have innovation needs, I have funding needs, I have uh, investment needs. Uh, but it's, you also, you know, get to understand where the, where the business priorities are as well. Um, it keeps me close to the business in Australia as well, reasonably close, uh, which I think is important as you travel. I think it's important to still remain close to your base because if you don't have a base, I think personally you can maybe become a little bit lost. So, you know, we I keep in touch a lot with uh, the Australian team and, um, you know, support the Australian team wherever possible, uh, but also stay very close to some of my old colleagues and my old company as well as some of the old uh, stakeholders from the customers as well. Uh, yeah. But I think it's important to stay close and understand recency as well. You know, it's it's very easy for someone to leave Australia 10 years ago, 12 years ago, and still think they know what's happening in Australia. But, you know, that that's a trap that you don't want to fall into. You want to make sure you're staying up to date yeah, completely. Um, yeah. With, with what's happening and what the needs of the customers and the, the consumers are. Yeah, great. Now, over the time you've been working in regional roles, uh, cluster roles or overseas, have you seen a change in the... In, in the kind of nature of an, or an overseas posting? Has it kind of evolved a lot in that time? I haven't, I haven't really seen a huge... I mean, the roles have definitely evolved, um, particularly in Asia uh, because of the emergence of O2O, you know, and the online presence. So the roles are very... You think about the marketing skill set of eight years ago versus the, the marketing skill set to, to build a brand now. It's very, very different. Same as the customer skill set. I think also you know, other roles in helping shape strategy and and delivering ultimately, you know, financial success and brand equity success has also changed because there's been, you know, you think about pre-COVID and post-COVID, the ability to see that 
change across 14 markets and, and experience it, I think is a once in a lifetime opportunity that, you know, you will learn so much from, uh, in future roles and, you know, um, the ability to, to navigate through rough seas. Um, so I, there's been change in, in how the business has evolved, but I still think that the need for businesses to bring in a diverse set of skills, uh, and cultures into a regional or global business. That's become more important for sure, because you can't have uh, a business that has a small representation of the consumers we're serving. You have mm. to have a business that represents the consumers you're you're serving. So that's definitely been probably the bigger change, which is which is fantastic to have seen and experienced in the last four to five years. Yeah, very, very, very good point. Um, now, the theme in today's session is, you know, should you consider a regional or global role in your career journey? And I think we've kind of touched on some of the practicalities of the differences and what you do in those roles for your career, Keith. But we also hinted to the fact that it's it's not like just moving from one business to another in Sydney or Melbourne or wherever you happen to be. Uh, there's a lot more to, to consider. So in, in practical terms, take us through how you go about evaluating the, a, a move. What goes into that decision personally, yeah. family-wise, and so on? I mean, it's a really good question because that's evolved again over time because as, as you get older and you have experiences, your your enthusiasm for the next type of experience changes a little bit. You know, as I said, at first we were always, you know, where can we go and when can we go? Uh, whereas now it's a little bit, you know, how will that opportunity support our family ambition? Because, you know, I think at a stage of your career, it becomes less about your career, but more about your family and your kids. And any move that we would make has to provide the, uh, you know, the stability for, for the kids and, the, and provide them with the same opportunities in terms of learning. You know, education is very important. Things like proximity to major centres. Uh, the ability to travel. And the great thing about living in Asia is we can, you know, Bangkok was amazing. We can jump on a plane and in an hour in Koh Samui or Chiang Mai or, you know, we, we could be in Denai in, in Vietnam. So that, that was always a big piece for us. As we get a little bit older, we also consider proximity to home because of, you know, home-based family and parents and things like that. So they're all the sort of key elements that we consider. From a career perspective, for me, it's always, it's now more about what will I learn versus what will I execute and be responsible for? You know, I remember an old, an old very great leader once said to me, you know, you, you know, you don't, don't worry about grades and pay that that will come. Worry about experiences. Um, because well-rounded leaders will always be successful. So we've always, and I've always sort of made choices based on that. Sometimes you do have to take roles because the business needs you to do that as well. So that's, something you have to think about whether that works for you and your family so it's, and, and that can be that can be a little bit more delicate a little bit more challenging yeah good advice by that uh, uh leader of, of old there i think um and do businesses help support the individual keith when you are yeah. you know being approached for or you're looking at a particular move to a marketplace navigating your way through is it up to you to do that or does a business give you support look the and, you know, I've had different experiences in different markets with different organizations. So, yes, the businesses always will provide you the support that you need. And it's fantastic. You know, literally, if you do move, everything's taken care of. You know, people come in and pack up your stuff and you turn up two weeks later and it's there and somebody's there to unpack it. So those things are very, 
uh, seamless mm. and the businesses do a fantastic job. Um, and I, I shouldn't say that about all businesses, but, you know, I've been lucky enough to experience fantastic organizations who are very people centric. But it's important that you do, you do your due diligence as well on, on where you're going to. You know, as I said before, understanding schools, understand cost of living, you know, you, you need to be prepared. Um, you know, no business, I don't think it's the, it's the organization's responsibility to do that for you. Um, I think everyone as individuals must, must plan, must prepare and must, must research things like, as I said, you know, how far are the schools, uh, from the city? Where do you want to live? What's the cost of living? Making sure that when you get there, there's no surprises and that you and your family unit, if you're traveling with your family unit, are eyes open going into where you're going because it's going to be for between one and three years and sometimes longer. So it's, that's something we've always done to make sure that we're well prepared and, um, and we're ready to assimilate into the community. Yeah. And one of the practical things to consider is, you know, people are on a, on a domestic career path are reasonably familiar with if I take this role, I earn this much and that mm. role will give me this. When you move overseas, the comp and band changes, very different yeah. structure, very different role. Um, now from your perspective, we talked about the evolution perhaps of uh, an overseas posting, you know, from a comp and band point of view, how does that work? And has that changed too much over the years as well? Cause I think a lot of people ha- have a, a broad, a very kind of, um, simplistic view of how that works when you go to an overseas role. Yeah, look, I mean, we've we've always, as I said, accepted roles based on the opportunities and experiences. We've never really considered because because businesses are very structured in the way that they, you know, uh, structure comp and ben, as we know. So there's there's never that much, you know, negotiating, right? Yep. Because you're just falling into a process. So I haven't seen that much change. I mean, the the you know, the one thing I probably have seen is less, you know, expat packages versus local packages, but they they all end up netting out about the same. Really? Um, and okay. Yeah. And that's where you need to make sure that you do your planning as well on where you're going, because the cost of living is very different depending on where you are for essentials or, you know, different lifestyles or um, the way you want to live or you don't want to live. So I think, again, it goes back to the individual to make sure that they're fully aware of the process of the organization and how that will benefit you when you land in a particular market. Uh, but I haven't seen an enormous amount of change. I mean, good talent will be successful, you know, in any organization, in any market. And and generally, as I said before, it's, it's, it's experiences and it's not a, it's not a, uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint, as they say. So the pay takes take care of itself. And if that's something you're interested in, um, you know, that's a, a benefit. But if it's something that you're not really that interested in, it'll also take care of itself over time. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um. Now you'll have worked with people who, over the years, have made great successes of of overseas postings, and some mm. who perhaps struggle more so. Is that is there a kind of common type of personality you think that person's going to make it? They, they, they are, and this person may struggle, or is it is that too simplistic a view? It's very hard to tell, but I think. As I said before, if you go in eyes wide open and well prepared, I think you can be successful in wherever you land. Uh, what you don't want to do, and, and one thing that I think is important before you go anywhere is you must go and see it. Um, you know, and ask the business to send you and your partner or you and your family to the place for two or three days, so you can you can understand it, you can feel it, you can you know get a sense of 
where we're going versus just turning on a plane and going, you know, where are we? You know, it's, it's an hour of traffic to get from the airport to the hotel. What have we done? You know, it's, so, you know, get going, seeing and being prepared will always make you much more successful when you get there than they're not being prepared. Um, you know, if you have a willingness to, to learn and you're curious, we talk a lot about curiosity. If you're curious about learning, you're going, you're going to be more successful. Um, and you have to be prepared to be away for a while as well. I mean, things are changing post COVID where more and more global roles are being, uh, in non-global locations. And that, that's wonderful, I think. Um, and I think we'll see more and more of that. But, you know, if you decide to go overseas, it, it might be for six, seven, eight, nine years. Uh, it could be for three, uh, but I think you have to be mentally prepared for that and be willing to to take that leap of faith and, and be ready to learn and be open to learning as well. Has it changed you in terms of living and working in real diverse cultures? Do you think your life perspective is, is different? Yeah. yeah, very much so. You know, I was, uh, we, were, we were doing a, a leader's session a few weeks ago in Oz. And, you know, I think in the first five, 10 years of your career, you feel like you can get everything done, you know, and you can, you can make all the change and do wonderful things. And, but then I think you start to realize as a leader, it's not about you. It's about, you know, the team, the culture you create, the capabilities you build. So it, it humbles you a lot. It, it gives you perspective too, which I think in the future is going to be incredibly important. And I'm super happy that my kids have perspective now because they've lived in, multiple countries and they've they've embraced multiple cultures i mean my my kids have a group of friends that are from everywhere so you know that's going to give them great perspective for their futures i think it's been the same for me and i've been very grateful that it helps you understand sometimes the the bigger picture and it makes you more open to what could be going on and more interested and curious about why it's happening and and what does it mean versus just potentially thinking about things in a certain way And for those who are listening to the podcast, Keith, and thinking, this sounds quite exciting. I'm, this could be for me. Um, A couple of questions. So one, is there a certain stage in the career where they need to get to before they have enough experience to be useful in a role overseas? No, I don't think so because the depth of opportunities is, is enormous. And again, it depends on the organization and, and what part of the sector you're in. But no, I mean, you know, when I was in Thailand, we brought people up from Australia in 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 um, customer development manager levels, put them in to run Tesco Thailand, for example. You know, but if, if you express the desire, I think to to learn and and take a a leap of faith of of a of an opportunity overseas, it doesn't matter what level of capability you have or what level of experience you have, because I think you'll get that anyway when you go, and you'll start to shape your experience and your leadership very quickly. Can you demonstrate to the business that you're the sort of person that has the potential to be successful overseas in terms of somebody who's working in Australia thinking, well, I'm in a pretty standard national account manager role. Mm. Is there things I can do to kind of create breadth or, or, or show appetite to the business? Yeah, I mean, there's always lots happening in the regional offices in terms of initiatives and projects to for the next evolution of of uh of growth or or for the business i mean put your hand up and ask to be part of one of those projects and that will 
give you some exposure and it gives you a bit of a, a taste or flavor of what a regional role might look like. It'll help you because often those projects or initiatives are involve multiple markets as well. So not only are you understanding or getting that regional exposure, you're meeting and working with people from other countries within your region as well, which gives you also then that, you know, cultural immersion and relationships and the ability to ask questions and understand their markets. So, you know, you just, I think you just have to ask the question and, and, you know, ask to be part of upcoming projects or initiatives, which will give, which will give you the opportunity to learn or, or understand what's required before you then make that decision. Yeah, I think it also shows a level of proactivity and preparedness to get out your comfort zone and you know and, and, and to look yeah. for something new as well. That yeah. that's uh, yeah. that's gotta kind of send the right yeah. signals. And and the business will react very favorable favorably to that. Yeah. Um, which is the other thing. I mean, it shows a level of maturity, curiosity, and leadership. And the business is always, you know, if you always if you ask, you never know, right? Mm-hmm. You if you if you don't ask though, you won't know. Yeah. Uh, you won't get that opportunity. So you know, even if you're new in role and you're an account manager for Woolworth and you want to un- understand, you know, how some of the Chinese offline retailers have built the O2O business and how they're using CRM data to drive conversion. If you're curious about that, it's easy to get exposure to it. Yeah. Yeah. Because then you can create value with your own customer and you can learn at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And in practical terms, is the recruitment process is it much the same or is it quite different when you are going through um, a process for for an overseas posting? Again, I think it depends on the organization of how rigorous their internal process that is. But I think if you're if you're curious and you're showing the intention, it's not going to be as as difficult or or, or rigorous. The, the business is going to support your desire to learn um, and willingness to, to to take that leap of faith. So I think it's again, if you're showing initiative, I think the business is always going to support more than if you're potentially just asking for another role, which is more of the same or, you know, a little bit more senior than the role you're in when in the same market. Yeah. Yeah. Great. We've got through a lot, Keith. There's probably lots more we could, could get through, but um, last question to you, what's the best country that you worked in and lived in? And if you could have another move to another country you haven't been to, what would that be? Yeah, I, I, each each experience has been different. I couldn't say I had a favorite because each one provided, you know, highs and lows because that's the other thing. It's not all, you know, perfect. There's, you know, there's times I remember in Fiji where we couldn't even buy a tomato or an onion, you know, because there's just none there. Each one's very different. And I think that's the, that's the amazing thing about, you know, living and working overseas. A market that I really like to understand better and have the opportunity to work in is probably China potentially because it's so progressive, you know, the data ecosystem, you know, the ability to learn really quickly and immerse yourself in in the future because, you know, I think all the markets and all the regions will take some form of where China is now into the future. So to prepare myself for the future, I think that would be something that would be very important, not only for me, but I think for everyone getting that exposure to how quickly the market there has grown and how sophisticated it is with with data specifically would be something I would always recommend. Great, great answer. Keith, that's been awesome. Really enjoyed our our conversation. We have, um, I think, got a real sense of, in practical terms, what's involved, what what to consider uh, um, 
what you could get from that move from a career perspective and, and but also from a life perspective as well and that's mm. um i think that might be surprised to many people listening is it isn't just about your career this is about how you grow with your life and your family it goes in that journey with yeah. you as, as, as well there's much uh more so than um perhaps um you know staying on the in, in your lane in in uh, in australia yeah. so uh, i think yeah. that's, that's that's absolutely wonderful um now before we wrap up today a reminder to our listeners as well as incredible guests like keith um who shared their journey to help you with your career thinking and your planning and your decision making. Now, we also produce, I think, the best salary guides in the market. So loads of great insights there where we link back role, family, salaries to some of the great insights from our guests. We also produce a monthly report called the Sales and Marketing Collective, which is a who's who of who's moved where in the market. And and more recently, candidate guides just to help you in things like how to becoming how to become interview fit and be ready for interviews. In fact, there's a podcast out on that soon as well. Um, and how to kind of get the most at your LinkedIn profile. So lots you can get. If you haven't had a career conversation with the team here at AXR, you can get access to all that and more. So just reach out. Thanks again, Keith. Uh, that was uh, absolutely awesome. I really, really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for having me, Mike, and um, look forward to connecting again soon. Yeah, look forward to it. And uh, guys, uh, next up in the incubator, Emma Quigley, sales director of Koala, uh, who'll be li- a live session next week on October 13th. Um, see you all in a week's time. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast from AXR Recruitment and Search. We're passionate about helping you get the most out of your sales and marketing career. Keep listening as we bring you more inspiring journeys and advice from Australia's sales and marketing leaders. You just can't get this career insight anywhere else. My name is Mike Dixon. See you next time on Your Future in Sales and Marketing.